mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for the spirit of truth, God. Father, we ask for a spirit of prayer today, God, a spirit of supplication. Father God, we ask for the spirit of intercession, for the spirit to quicken our mortal bodies, to move us in the spirit, to move us into a deeper relationship with you, Father God. Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Father God, to come and to lead us, Father God, into these end times, into these last days, Father God. Strengthen us, Father God. Push away the lying spirits, God. Push away the spirits of deception, the spirits, the whispers of doubt and unbelief, Father God, and the works of the enemy, God. Push away all darkness from around us, all witchcraft. We break your power by the blood in the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you, Lord. And we ask you, Father God, today to awaken us into the things that you have for us, even deeper, wider. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is called, Are You Asleep? Hey, wake him up back there. Let's go. Luke 1, 1 through 17, I'm going to start to read. For as many as taken in hand as set forth in the order of declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they deliver them unto us, from the beginning were eyewitnesses and the ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write thee the, in the order most excellence, that thou mightest know the certainty of the things which has been instructed. There was the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abia, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now stricken well in years. They were old. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office of Zechariah before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without in the time of incense. So the time he was burning incense and going into the temple doing the works of the priest, the, all, the people were outside actually praying as well. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacchaeus saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. Zacharias, not Zacchaeus, sorry, Zacharias, for the prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, 
and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned into their Lord God, and shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now also the prophecy about the spirit of Elijah in the end times. John the Baptist carried that. Now all of us carry that same spirit. And then there's set men, messengers that really are called to speak in front of people and stuff. But all of us are supposed to speak in front of the Lord. They're the spirit to prepare people, one another, for the return of Jesus. To remind one another, to, to get on one another's case, to... to be like a sandpaper one another to not let people fall asleep to not let people rest and and to keep people reminded and to push people into prayer and to push people into the things that your flesh doesn't want to do that's our job for one another to be watchmen for one another and according to revelation 1 through 6 we are all now kings and priests so in other words jesus is our high priest but he makes us able to be little priests to go before God as He has made a doorway for us to have full access to God and to be kings and priests unto the Lord. In Revelations 1, 1 through 1-6, Lord Jesus gave unto Him to show unto His... Just keep following me because I'm going to take you into, into the truth and revelation of all of this and why we need to do the things that God is telling us to do. And to show unto him servants the things which must come shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by the angel unto the servant John, who bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That wasn't John the Baptist. This is the other John. And all things that he saw. Blessed he that readeth and hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are written thereof. For the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches of Asia, grace be unto you and peace. From him which is to come, and from, and which, well, which from him which is, and which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before the throne of God. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And made us, that's what I was just telling you about, kings and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now let's jump to Revelations 5. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne of the book written within on the back side the seal of seven seals. And I was, it was a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals? And no man in heaven nor on in earth, neither unto earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither look upon therein. And on the elders saith unto me, 
Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. And behold, lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and the elders and the lamb that was slain, the sacrifice. That's what the priests would always do. Now the Bible says that Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. So it's like we're a little priest and it's His sacrifice. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. And He lets us to come in. And God's calling all of us to do the things of the priestly because we're all called to be kings and priests. To the seven horns and the seven eyes of the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So in Revelation earlier, it says the seven spirits that sit before the throne of God. And I believe the seven spirits go as we send them, as we pray, as we intercede. These seven spirits is the spirit of God, is the spirit of Elijah, is the spirit that we that moves upon the earth to do the will of God through us interceding for what is to be done. And God says He does nothing before He reveals it to His servants the prophets. And I believe that He reveals it to His servants the prophets. So then we can intercede as we're all prophetic people on the unction of God that we speak for the, the will of God, not our will, but then that's why we have the prayer that your kingdom come, your will Lord, we have to be in His presence and we have to know what His will is so we can proclaim it, so we can have His words proceed because of out of our belly proceeds living water. So in religion we pray, but not that way. So God wants us to pray and intercede His way as we also intercede for what is on our heart. There's all types of prayers that we can do as we're before the throne of God. And he says, He took the beast, and it sat upon the right hand of the throne, and taken the book, and the four beasts, and the twenty-four elders fell, having every one them harps and golden vials, full of the odors. Everybody say odors. odors. So what does incense do? It's supposed to have a smell, right? The odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Who are the saints? And who are we? Kings and priests. So the prayers of the saints that, that sung the song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals and was slain and redeemed us by the blood out of every kindred and every tongue and the people and every nation has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. But right now we know we have full dominion on the earth. And God says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Not a house of merchandise. Not a house of social, socialism. Not socialism, but social, how do you say social club? I don't want to say it. But socializing. Oh yeah, it's a house of fellowship. But the main thing is we fellowship as we're breaking the bread. But the prayers and the incense going to God. And that's what moves him. I believe God is waiting for a certain amount of bowls to be filled up to where they tip over. It's a sign of His coming because He knows every prayer of the saint that was and is and was to come even as we are, that we are predestined to be conformed into the image of God. Those that are predestined are those that are going to do the will and obey Him. So those are the ones that He knows that are predestined. And then those that will go on to do what He's saying so He knows 
when the tipping point is because he was there before the beginning because he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the first and the last which means he knows all things to come so he's waiting for certain times and as we go and do the things that we're supposed to do he comes back faster and things are about to be put on that were on hold or being about to be released into the earth and he heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them of thousands and ten thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is on heaven and on the earth, under the sun and under the earth, such are in the sea and then that are them heard and saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power unto Him that sits upon the throne, unto the Lamb forever and ever, and the four beasts, and the four and twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped Him that lives forever and ever. We're all called to be kings and priests. And the twenty-four elders is a sign of twelve apostles, twelve uh, um tribes of Israel. The twelve is the number of government. We have the full authority. God, Jesus comes back and brings in New Jerusalem and the governments of this world become the governments or the kingdoms of this world, I should say, become the kingdoms of our God. And, and the government shall rule and reign on His shoulders and we now can bring His kingdom wherever we go no matter now that we're in rented space and time here but what advances His kingdom is prayer. Because the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities in high places. That our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty and pulling down strongholds. That's why the devil wants to take our prayer. That's why the devil wants to distract us. And our flesh doesn't want to pray, but our spirit does. So when we walk in the spirit, it's easier for us to want to pray and to be able to pray. 1 Peter 2 1 through 12. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, gall, hypocrisies, envyings, and all evil speakings. And that's why the devil wants us to bring in division among us and in the church. Because when you're divided, you don't want to pray for something you're, you're not. How many know it's so easy to play, pray for your needs, pray for your wants, pray for your desires, and pray for your own family? A lot more than it is to pray for others, other nations, other people, people you don't know. But when you're in intercession with God, when you're in intimacy with God, He'll put on your heart to pray for what He wants. And then I've seen in Scripture time and time again, when we pray for what He wants, He begins to fulfill the things that we already want in our heart. Because the prayer gives us access to Him and when we're praying for Him, because of His Word, we advance the kingdom on the earth. So it's the most important thing, even more than preaching in a way. But prayer lets the preachers be able to preach more, better, and in fervency. Prayer, well I'm going to get into some more things in that right now. So it says, have, so it says put away these things, the evil speaking as the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom the coming, as unto living stones, indeed of men, but um, disallowed by men, 
but chosen by God. That's why the religious people or the carnal church hates you because they're more, in a, and they're, we, need, we need not to be double-minded, but they're more, in, and carnality-wise, they're not in spiritual-minded, so the spiritual things... Um, Stir them up, make them mad. It um, do um, what? Do you, what's that word? Even the us, we we bring jealousy to the Jews because of of different things. So you also, as living lively stones, are built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. There's not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He's speaking to the body as a royal priesthood and to offer up a spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So that's why Satan wants to take your prayer. Wants to make you sick. Wants to make you depressed. Wants to make you focused on all of your needs that you cannot fulfill your office of a priest. Amen. Because every one of us are priests and kings. Whether you're Moses or Aaron, you're called to pray. And contain, and it says that sacrifice acceptable to God, wherefore it is contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Be unto them which are disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed is the same at the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even which is a stumbling at the word. Being disobedient, and that's the religious people. Because they want someone else to do. They False grace says Jesus did everything. I don't have to do my duties as a priest. Because he's the high priest, and we know that there's no way we can even go to God. But because of him, we are able to do the duties of a priest. So in false graces, thank God he came, and I believed, and now I'm going to heaven. It's not that easy, because God has a work to do on the earth. And he also has so many, so many, so many other scriptures that make that only one little part does not make it the full thing. So it's scripture out of context and it's out of the con count, out of the context of the word of God and the truth. It's it it comes against the end and the beginning. It's only a part that's right in the middle. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of God who called them out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God, which had ordained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as stranger and pilgrims, which war against the soul. Fleshly lust that gets you Lukewarm that you don't want to pray. Having your conscience honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as an evildoer, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold the glory of God in the day of visitation. Priest. The priest's life was one who exampled the sacrifice 
of intercession for the people. The priest would go in once a year and take the blood, but the priest had to be really set apart. He couldn't do the things. Now we're already set apart because of Jesus. Now we can go in as long as our heart is right at all times and intercede on behalf of the people as well. So the priest would go in and make, he was the only one that could go into the temple as a man. And he would go in and burn the incense, make sure the bread was fresh, put the showbread on the thing, make sure that the, the candles were lit. Now we are the temple of God and we are the priest of our own being. And now all of us are the priest of the house of God. Because he's called the house of prayer. And only priests have the duties of the praying of the of 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 keeping so as we keep this house lit and the bread fresh and the, then the house of God is lit fresh and the incense are going up so what we do in personal lives reflects what happens when we come together corporately and that's why it is exposed when people come together and they don't have a lifestyle of intimacy or lifestyle with God, they're just religion. When you, when they all come together into a place, it's just religion and demons and things all around because they haven't done in their life on a daily basis what should be when we come together should be an explosion of power and glory. Because what one puts to flight, ten put ten thousand, or one two put ten thousand. How much more power is in the multitude? But having no power means there's no connection to God, that nobody's fulfilling their priestly duties as a son of God. So, we know we don't need a man anymore. We have Jesus as a high priest that gives us full access to God. But we need, we need to be interceding for one another and for the lost. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, the, the priest in the Old Covenant, he was the, he was the living sacrifice. He was, he was bringing it. He wasn't the sacrifice. Jesus became the sacrifice. And God actually himself brought Jesus to the altar. And now God brings us to the altar by the Holy Spirit. So God, by the Holy Spirit, brought Jesus to the altar. Once and for all, He put His blood there to give us access to do the priestly duties that were only done by Zach Zacharias and other priests of the time. And, and if the priest had sinned, which means he had to live holy, then they died in front of the presence of God. That's why many people are dying in the presence of God, they look dead because they have no intercession. They have no whole set-apartness because it's a living sacrifice that God is wanting. And that's what He's called the last church. The apostolic church is going to be a church of prayer. Amen. And we need, to, we need to exercise and keep our spirit ahead of it. God doesn't mind us doing things in the flesh, but what ends up happening is the flesh gets ahead of the things that we ought to do because of that. So, 
it is something that we have to encourage one another to do. And that's, that's what, why he said, do not forsake the assembling together. Because, believe me, leave someone alone on vacation three weeks. Oh, I'm going to get alone with the Lord. But guess what? Basically, I bet you they end up getting alone doing things that, of the flesh. Because our flesh is <coughs> that wants to rest. And David always knew what being comfortable was. So he was a man of war. So he, even though he had all the, all the comfort he could have, he had all the things in the world that he could have, but he made sure that he was, didn't, he fought against the comforts that he could have as a king and were all kings and priests to do the warfare of God. So, it says, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is our reasonable service. It's not an exceedingly service. It's not, and, and, and now, if people pray all the time, say, wow, they, uh, uh, oh, I want to be like these Christians, or wow, look, they're always praying. No, it was a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the bread on as a priest, that's your fresh bread. You're renewing your mind. That's one of your duties, reading the Word, listening to anointing, being here to hear the messages from God. That you prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Through prayer. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, think not himself to be more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, and that's where we'll get into the other scriptures that I have coming. According as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body. That's why he's saying all of us need to be. And not all members have the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. So as we're praying... We're being able, everybody's able to find their place in the body. And in Matthew 21, 13, it says about being, as it's written, I shall call my house, shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. In Matthew 1, 11, 17, in Mark, he says, he taught them, saying, it is, is it not written, my house shall be, now he was teaching, and this time he was commanding them, as he was clearing out the temple, here he was teaching about the house without giving the revelation because it was not time that my house would no longer be because he said, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. And he says that we will be now the temple of God and Jesus being on the throne in our heart. Being, um, and he says, if we defile this temple, we defile the temple of God, means our body being a, in, in a living sacrifice. That's why God doesn't want. So he called, of, and he says, my house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer. And remember, it says every tongue, every tribe, every tongue will come together as the, in the book of Revelations. And he says we're all kings and priests unto God. But you have made it a den of thieves. So it is that we are all intercessors on the behalf of someone or something. Selfish people will not 
pray or intercede, but only for who and what helps their own personal advancement. Father, we thank you that we are praying people, God. We are praying and we are attentive. We thank you, Lord Jesus. As we go into this second part of this message, we go deeper into you, God. And we learn the deeper things of you. Father, let our minds be set on things above. Let our hearts be set on things around us, God. Not on the things that we want, God, but the things that we need. Father, let us not be distracted with our families and things on the earth. But let us be consecrated to You, God. Be moved in the Spirit of God. Let us have this mind be in us that's in You, God. So we cannot be selfish and pray or intercede, but only for who and what helps our own personal advancement. It's easy for us to pray when we're gaining advancement, but to pray and do things for others, it is take sacrifice. To pray for someone else's children, to pray for someone else's church, to pray for another nation, to pray for other things. It takes us sacrifice. And that's why God says it's a living sacrifice. And to pray for leaders, your pastor, other people's leaders, for other nations, other things. And everybody likes to pray for our own needs, but God says that's sometimes He doesn't even listen to that because He knows that's done out of fear. That's done not by the Spirit of God. The biggest spiritual and the most important battles of all time, what was Peter doing? Peter was sleeping. The most important time is his walk with Jesus when he should have been praying. Peter was sleeping. And God says right now in the most important time in our lives, the most spiritual battles that were going on, so many of us are sleeping when we should be praying and interceding because there's a spirit of slumber that comes on the earth before Jesus comes back. And He's coming back soon. What are the things that prayer does? It keeps you focused on things above. Gives you wisdom on the things below. Gives wisdom and it keeps us knowing what's going on in the spiritual realm. It keeps us awake in the Spirit. That's what prayer does. Keeps your gifts sharp. Keeps you in a relationship with the Father. Brings healing to the sick. It is a labor at the altar. And now you're, the altar is you. 
Moses' arms were held up by her and Aaron. We know Aaron was a priest. We also know Joshua was too. So Moses acted more like a, in, the, in, in the sense of a king, but he was an administrator and he was called to lead the people into the promised land and called to lead the people out of Egypt as well. Moses was a leader. So Moses had special powers that others didn't have. More like say special gifts and, and, and special endowments to lead the people. So Moses had the authority and it was being backed by the ones he was leading. So, prayer now is a form of an armor bearer in the spirit in the New Testament. In other words, there were armor bearers that David had armor bearers that sharpened his weapons, that made sure he had everything he needed and everything was there for him. And now in the spiritual realm, we are do that in the spirit of intercession. Because there's no real intercession office in the New Testament, but we're all called to be intercessors. But God will have people around the fivefold ministry gifts to be praying so the kingdom can advance. So as Moses was like a type and shadow of the fivefold ministry and the church, then what was happening, Moses was getting tired, it was up to the people around him to hold up his arms. And as his arms went down, the enemies started taking. And the people understood how important it is to be praying for your leaders and praying for the events of the kingdom, that God would advance the whole kingdom of God in their own families, and their own things, as I'm going to show you in the scripture, people would do it more. But everybody's so consumed on their own self, and their own desires, and their own family, and their own needs, that it's a trick and a trap of the devil because if you do what God wants you to do, when He wants you to do it, you will have the things that you need done because that's how God works. And that's what the devil does to get you inwardly focused on your children, on the law, your own uh, things and all the little things around you that get you off of your intercessory place that you start interceding in the flesh and it profits you nothing or the kingdom of God nothing. But when you intercede in the Spirit, in the will of God, for the purposes of God, the kingdom of God gets advanced and so does your kingdom. Joshua was, according to the, was a person chosen as a high priest for the reconstruction of the temple. And Joshua was right by... Moses had Joshua right around him. Because he was a priest for Moses, but for God. And we're all called to be priests and kings. All of us are called to intercession, but there's a certain few people and that's that are called to be there all the time, kind of like a, 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 Anna at the gate of the temple, crying out for the people, crying out for the, for the things of God, and that's where the devil's going to attack and put a slumber upon those that are called to be fervent, to be in that place of intercession. All of us are called in that, but how many know that somebody supposed to be building and supposed to be working? So what ends up happening, the enemy doesn't only attack the Moses, but he attacks everybody around Moses. 
So when the people realized that when Moses... What do you think God did all this? It wasn't... He's trying to speak to us. He's giving us revelation because He's telling us who we are now and what we have to advance, His kingdom, and all the things that we need one another to lift up one another in prayer. To lift up one another's arms for battle. And everybody's so worried about themselves all the time that they're no good for the kingdom. And God hates that because it's selfishness. Because there's no way to advance this kingdom on our own anymore. And that's why religion, it's all about you. You go hear a prosperity message and then you want to get more things to advance your kingdom so then you can have more things that come against the scripture to fulfill the false gospel and the false Christ that are being preached in the church. But God has a will, He has a way, and He has a purpose for every single one of us to fulfill. So when we get our mind on things above and off of ourselves, we're able to advance the kingdom. And that's where the sweet spot is in the peace of God. And the devil knows that. And you forget that because of your carnality, and then you begin to focus back on you. And when you focus on you, you're praying about you, and then you're whining to God. Why this? Why that? And God's like, what are you talking about? Why this? Why that? Get in your place and everything around you will be in place. Because nothing was happening to Joshua and Ur or anybody else around Moses when, they, when the arms were being lifted up. When they were got in their place, then everything else fell in place. So the devil doesn't want you to know that. And then the other things that... So Moses was a leader and he was, he was an administrator. He, he had the ability to, to lead and to administrate different offices. And then Moses is the authority being backed by the ones he was leading. But all the authority Moses had, he would have been taken out if the others didn't come and help him. So they... Held, held him to keep up his arm. And then James 5, 13-20, it says, And any among you be afflicted, let him pray. If any be merry, let him sing songs. If any sick, let him call the elders of the church and pray over him, and anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, I just went, the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise, so many people have religionized this though, and that's the only time they do pray is when somebody's sick. Or the only time they do pray is if they're inside of a building. But God has people sick. Not God has people, but there's people sick that God knows about. And, and you can be in your, in your house and they can be healed. And God can use you right where you're at. Because there was also a person that came to Jesus and they were sick. And Jesus said, because he was the high priest and he said, just speak the words. Now we have the same access as Jesus. And he said, just speak the words. And I know that my servant is healed. And at the same hour that Jesus said, spoke the words, but we have so many in our mindset, oh, I have to go to church, or I have to go to the hospital, or I have to be around somebody. But how many know we have authority whether we're in a building or not in a building? Because we are the building. Amen. So, he said... The prayer that, and, and, and confess your faults one to another. That's gonna, that call, that talks calls for relationship to be around one another. Then there's people here not here here now that aren't here, and that's why we need to be in relationship with one another. 
And I'm telling you, and there's many people, an effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The effectual prayer of the righteous man. But who makes us righteous is Jesus. So the effectual prayer that knows, that goes boldly to the throne of grace and knows who they are, not a perfect person, not a sinless person yesterday, but I'm talking about a righteous man avails Those Someone who knows their identity, knows their place, knows their calling, and doesn't continuously let the devil distract them into their own things. And God blesses those that bless others. The fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Availeth much. The righteous man is someone that's standing in the right place, in their office, in their position, and is not being tossed to and fro by every ailment of their family, every ailment of the things around there, every ailment of this world, and all carnality. It's a man that is strong, and a man or a woman standing in their place. And that's where their peace is. And that's why prayer is so important. And we all know that we don't like to go be in prayer because we're, we're cutting ourselves off from our flesh. Because in prayer, and that's why it says fasting and prayer, because when these two come together, it's very dynamic. And what ends up happening in the last days is people stop fasting and they stop praying and they start to be going and going and we're going to see that in a minute. Pray for one another that you be healed in effectual prayer of the righteous of man avails much. And when he says man here, he means man or woman, because there's no male or female in the spirit. We're all spiritual beings in a holy house, which is the temple of God. So Elias was a man of such like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. And he's explaining right now about what prayer does. He prayed earnestly. Sometimes we just pray because it's what we do. But he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not. Wow. Do you believe that he's saying this in the New Testament? That our prayers can be answered? And not as Elijah prayed. And it rained not on the earth the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. So that shows you that it's not just a one-time thing. It's always, till you see the promise, till you see what God said in your life, continuous to do it. And we have in Luke 19 where it says to go, but many people get religious about these things. I'm not saying be religious about it, but continuing to be in a relationship and reminding God for things because it's a tool and it's an intercession thing and it's an accessible thing that gets us to God and keeps us close to God as we speak. And he said, He prayed again, and the heavens reigned, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And Jesus is coming. That's going to be the final reign of the Holy Spirit when He comes back to rule around. Brethren, if any man of you err from the truth, and one convert him, let it be known him that covereth the sinner from the error of his ways, shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. So also, we intercede on behalf of one another. We intercede means someone might be weak or somebody in the church might be um, having a struggling time. So we stand in the gap for them. Or you do have a lost one in your family and God leads you to do that in His Spirit, then it's done. And we pray for that person and we continue with not vain repetitious prayers, but in prayers of faith and power to God continuously.
but His will. He said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, the problem is we got to find out what His will is all the time and pray that, then we're going to see the benefits of what we pray. A lot of people say, well, I pray all the time, but I don't see any fruit of that because you're probably praying on your own lust of your own desires. And not all the, that doesn't have this long prayer, but when we come together in the Spirit, you'll even know Sue to intercede for in the kingdom of God. Because God says, when you take care of my house, then I'll take care of yours. Because He did that for this other guy. You're going to see it right now as I read further. So it says, let him convert a sinner from his ways and save his soul and hide a multitude of sin. God moves even when he does not want to move. We can move him. Because we see that in, the, in, in Luke 19 when he's, that person he says, How much more when you keep knocking and keep, keep um, going and, and, and that the, the, the person in the middle of the night, the heathen gave, because he doesn't want to be bothered, that, that the, the father of righteousness or, or the righteous one judge would wake up and give some bread in the middle of the night to him. More even the world does things like that if you keep bothering somebody. Acts 10, 1 through 4. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion band called the Italian band, a devout man, a devout man, when he was devoted to God. One that feared God, there's another key. You if you fear God, you pray. With all his house, which gave much alms, and when you give much alms means you take care of the poor, you take care of one another. It's, it's giving your time, your resources, your things to God. These are the things that moves God's heart. Which gave much alms to the people. And, and here's the key. And prayed to God always, all the time. Well, then he saw a vision. Why? Because he was praying. A vision eventually, about the ninth hour, the day of... An angel came to him, on him, saying, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Their prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And you know what God did for him and his household. Not because we earn things, and God's no respecter of person. But remember, he said, I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. So he sent a, a devout man. Only diligently people are called devout. Diligent and devout go together. When you're diligently seeking God, you're a devout man of God. In Acts 12.5, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But, but prayer was made without ceasing. They just, without ceasing, what, what does that mean? Without stopping. Of the church unto God for him, we know later he was released. They were so adamant prayer back then, they even didn't believe what they were praying. They prayed so much, and then Peter showed up at the door and they thought it was a ghost. because, But they feared God and they did what He said. We need a little bit of balance in that, but we need to be praying more. Luke 12. Okay, what God, Jesus was saying about... I'm going to read a lot of this, but it's just a lot. I want to bring things together in a, about where the church is right now and us about this. And in the meantime, they were gathered together in multitude of people. And many were thr thr thrashing one another and, get, and beware. And he said, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees of hypocrisy. Nothing shall be covered, neither be hid. All shall be revealed. 
I have not spoken in darkness, but in the light. I'm going to go through quickly through. And what I speak on the housetops, uh, in the closet, means and to you in prayer, and to, to your ear, and your spirit, speak on the housetop. So that's a place of intimacy. And say unto my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that which have no more they can do. So he's saying, don't live for now, live for eternity. Don't fear those that can kill you now or take away the things that you have now because I, I give you everything in eternity. I forewarn you, you whom you shall fear. Fear him. He's talking about fear me, God, which after has killed, has the power to cast you in hell. So he's saying, fear God, you, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? And even the very heirs, hairs on your head are all numbered. So he's saying God knows everything. Every single dot and tittle of our life and things around us. If we really realize that, we think that he doesn't know what is going on right now in our life, right this minute, right this thought that we have in our head. That aren't you more valuable than many sparrows? After you do whatsoever, and I say unto you, whosoever confess me before men, I shall confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men, I will deny before my heavenly, uh, before the angels of God. Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven to him. And they will bring you in front of synagogues and See, we're facing these times right now. Could be next year, the year after, we could America could change overnight. And the powers, take no thought for what thing you shall answer or say, for it shall be given to you in that hour what you shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what you ought to say. And one in the company said unto the Master, my brother... Like, he's saying that, and this guy's worried about his inheritance. So he interrupts this preaching. He says, my brother, because he was distracted, he divided the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he has and which he possesses. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, I'm saying these, reading this whole thing, because these are the things that get us to be complacent, comfortable, and lukewarm. Or when the things that we were praying about actually coming to our life and we don't need to pray for our own selfish desires and we end up stop praying for the things that God has us to pray for. And he also says about these types of things which do this to our spirit and to our flesh. Him saying, because the, a certain rich man brought forth plenty and he, has, he says, and saying within himself, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, 
this will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. So in other words, he said, I'm going to remodel. I'm going to expand my house, my, my, my things. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat and drink and be merry. And I believe this goes totally together with the church of Lacedonia in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, whatever where it says that, you're, that gets you lukewarm. When you have the knee, all your needs met, it's an easy time to get lukewarm. So what ends up happening is, he says, that I wish you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. So in your comfort, so what ends up happening, and that he says, you don't you know that you might, he says, thou, thou art, you say you are rich, but thou art, Blind, naked, and miserable. He's saying you're poor because in the spiritual realm, you think you have everything, but you're being stripped away in the spirit because of, of the natural is taking you away of the things that you should be gaining and materializing in the spiritual realm. So this is the biggest battle and warfare that most American Christians face now is that of comfort and having all of our needs met where we don't need God. Because we need to be poor in spirit, that is wisdom. So that is the time where God doesn't bless many people because that blessing might get them away from Him. So, it is actually a blessing not to be blessed sometimes. Because if you're blessed, it might get you out of the will of God and out of being lukewarm. So, God wants to establish righteousness in your heart and the inward parts and make you worthy of all that He has. So He says this, I will cast down and down my barns and build greater and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, I have much laid up for many years. Take ease, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all these things be that are provided? He's saying you could die tonight. Why are you so focused on what you have? Because it could be gone in one breath. But he says this, So lay up your treasure. Who He says, So he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he saith unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat. There's going to be a time that all that other stuff can't matter because you can't even be legally be a Christian. So whatever you have, you're going to have to run whatever you have on you. And then it's like, so he's saying you can't be so attached to those things you need to get in the spirit where there mean nothing means nothing to you but what God and God and God and Him alone. Neither for the body what you shall put on. For your life is more than meat and your body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they sow not, neither shall the, their storehouse nor barn. God feedeth them. For how much better are you than the birds? 
And you taking no thought, what, how can you add one stature cubit? If then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow and toil not. They just grow. They don't work for growing. It just happens. And yet I say unto you that Solomon all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Toiling. All these things we strive for, it's not the kingdom. And then God so clothed the grass which is in the field, and tomorrow it will be cast into the oven. How much more will you be clothed, yea, of little faith? And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. He's saying the world seeks after. They, that, that you need of these things. But rather, seek the kingdom. The kingdom is prayer, supplication, sacrifice. Of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Joy, peace, and righteousness. Can't be bought with money. It can't be bought, it can't be traded with cars and different things. Joy, peace, and righteousness can only come through alms and 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 prayer and 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 standing in your office and advancing the kingdom around your life. And it has to start inside your mind. Your kingdom, the kingdom of God must be in your mind for you to even introduce it to anything around you. So many people are so carnal. That's what God said to be carnally minded is to be at enmity with me, to be separated from me. And I'm talking to everyone around. Every one of us fight these battles. We need to fight our flesh. Make no provisions for it in the sense of letting it rule and reign in our life. Let, let our desires be changed into His desires. And He, is, he can't but to bless us. For, we, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's saying, have no covenants. He said to the rich young ruler about that. And how, what, what, I'll tell you that, without a lifestyle, a prayer and all that, everyone gets that way. There's no way not to become covenous, or because it's covenous and fear and all these things are the work of the flesh. And we just said, and the keys to what gets our flesh under submission is prayer and fasting. So we want to, to kick it up a notch Again, like before, prayer and fasting. And I, I charge everyone here to have a day led by the Spirit in your own life. And always be praying without ceasing. And when we come together for prayer, be here corporately praying. Everybody knows nobody wants to come to prayer, but when they leave prayer, they're like, Oh man, I'm glad I came. I feel better. I feel in the Spirit. And then the next day... You know, let's just say Friday, for example. Then Saturday comes. Well, that's the flesh day to relax. And then also, so it's a warfare all the time. But imagine if we prayed every day like we did on Friday night, or all through freedom and victory that God has for us. We can do that inside of us without even going to a place. But God wants us to be intimate with Him, but adamant about, and the devil wants to do that. That's why He does all the time. And he's on a global thing to distract the entire church.
to become like what Jesus spoke about, about the unwise servant. So he says, Fear not, little flock, it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Joy, peace, and righteousness. It's his pleasure to give that. He desires to give us that. He says, Sell all you have and give alms and give and provide not yourselves bags which wax not old, treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approach. See, in other words, he's saying, if all those things are on your mind so much, if you didn't have them. So all these things, and that's why all through this slack last week, guys are showing me, the more that he gives you, the more headaches come with it. <laughs> really. The more that you have to worry about this bank, that one, this person, paying this person, doing this. It's like, it, 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 it's, it, it's more distracting. It's like all the hassles come. I remember when I just had him coming out of drugs and all those things. didn't have much. It was so easy to focus on him. And go to work Monday and pay the two little light bills. The light bill and the other bill. And it was like the more that you, he advances you, the more it can distract you. The more that he gives you, then everybody covets what somebody else has. But... Nobody realizes the price that it pays to be able to steward what God gives them in a sense to be able to stay in a place of intimacy with God and not to let the blessings become a curse. So, he said this. He said, I had give alms and provide for yourself treasures in heaven that fell not where neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. See, God's not saying He doesn't mind you to have things, but He doesn't want your heart to be on them. He says, if you can't handle it, give it all away. <laughs> it's not worth it. But the hardest thing is to give that which becomes an idol to you. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He comes... Now here's the key thing with this. We saw all in the first part of this message before I prayed again. And now God's seen about this, 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 the, the, the thing that keeps us. says, blessed are those servants. He, so He's saying those things will distract you from this thing and this one thing I desire of you to do. And it'll have everything else to be in order like we said in the first part of this message in His prayer. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord cometh shall find him watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and I will come and forth and serve them. And if any man shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Blessed are those servants. Who are servants? Those that have a master. Now who is the master? It's Jesus or Mammon. Right? Or in this sake he's saying to him, it was his servants at once. Because this is what he's saying. So how does, we'll see reading this, is how does once saved, always saved, pertain to ungodliness. He says, godliness with content is great gain, which great gain is gaining the kingdom. So what is he saying? He's saying, we have to be focused in prayer. Prayer gets you, gets you to the finish line. He says this. 
Sit down and meet, and I'll come and serve them. And he said, In the second watch, or I come in the third watch, and find them so blessed are those servants. And this, no. And then he says, Blessed are those servants that are what? Praying, interceding. And that the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come. He's saying he's considering Jesus coming as, as like a thief coming to rob you. Jesus coming to take you with him. And to be ready. Because if we're not looking to him, we got our eyes on something else. And when we have our eyes on something else, it's because of lack of prayer intimacy with God. And obedience. And many people say, oh yeah, I want to be part of the vision, do all these different things. But some of them, even in the nations, they're not putting all of their effort, their finances, their heart, their prayer with it. So they're not really that. They want the benefits and they want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. But they're not willing to pay the price themselves to have what, what God wants them to have in the sense of, 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 of stewardship. And know this. That the good man of the house would have known what hour the thief would come. He would have watched and had not have his house suffer, have not has suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. What makes us ready? Prayer and fasting and obedience. For the Son of Man cometh in an hour when we think not. He didn't say when we know not, when we think not. He's saying when he comes you're going to think that he wouldn't come now that's a scary thought because we think he's going to come when we think when things are so bad or that but he says to those that are his he's going to come an hour when you think not he didn't say just the ones that aren't focusing on him but then that are watching are going to know when he's coming then Peter said to him Lord thou this parable on us are you talking to us He's saying, guys, you're talking to us? We're right here with you. What do you mean? And Connie's like, and or even to all? And the Lord said, who then is a faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make him ruler over his household, to give him their meat, their portion of meat in due season? And no, Jesus says not my meat is to do the will of Him who sent me. And that must be our will too. And there's no way to do the will of Him if we do not have intimacy and prayer with Him. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when He comes, shall find Him doing. All the, what, find doing what? All the things that we're talking about. And praying and watching. He was talking about watching, focusing, being attent, ready. Of a truth I say unto you, will make him ruler over all that he has. And it's about the kingdom of God. But if that servant say in his heart, so he's saying, say in his heart. He doesn't even say it in his when he when you say something, the heart is means your your heart is speaking like your heart speaks. And then the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So basically what he's saying is what says in his heart is what you end up doing. Your heart speaks because we, we have fruits. And the fruits can be seen. So he says, Blessed is the servant that says in his heart, My Lord delays his coming and shall begin to beat his men servants and maidens and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day 
He looks not for him. So he's saying, always be ready. An hour when he's not aware. But this is the crazy part. And will cut him asunder. And will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So we have a portion is the kingdom of God. And, and the unbelievers have a portion which is hell. So how is us not being in a relationship with him, become once saved, always saved? How does that work right here in that aspect of what is Jesus saying when he's making this parable? That he'll appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. What is the portion of the unbelievers? It's not the kingdom of God. It's the wrath and it's, it's... So that is a scary thought that... So what... Satan knows the Bible. So what does he, Satan want to do? Make you complacent. Get you off of praying and watching and focusing and walking in love and encouraging one another to pick up your cross and deny yourself and to get off your selfish desires and motivation and start to do the things and he wants to get you that are supposed to hold up hold, hold up the arms of 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 Moses to be doing your own thing let Moses do his own thing it's his I don't have he's and Marion started to speak bad about Moses and what happened she got leprosy God doesn't play with it he has a thing for all of us to do for the advancement of everybody and everybody's family but everybody's so self-centered and so self-focused and that's where the age is that we self and self is for everything and we do our walk with God on the side. And that's called religion. We do everything on the side and we go to church on Sunday and pretend to be something that we don't live or be because it's a, a house of prayer. And prayer is we are the house of God. It's a, it's a house of relationship and obedience to God. That is what the house of God looks like. Nothing else. And all of us, you need to encourage me. You need to push me. You need to get on my case. And, and, and because when, when everyone's in their place, the kingdom of God advances and we live in peace, joy, and harmony with one another and in the Holy Ghost. So the problem is when we start to get out of peace and lose our joy, we're focusing on our own kingdom too much. Because he says, don't even worry about your own kingdom. God's going to take care of that. As long as you focus on me, you'll be doing all those things that you think you came advanced about and they just happen naturally. Or supernaturally. Like they're going to happen in the natural what you don't even know in the unseen because God is working on His best because you're advancing His kingdom. When your kingdom starts to shake, it's because you got your eyes off of His kingdom. And nobody wants to hear that because what do you mean? They want a quick... Lay hands on me and, you know, get rid of the witchcraft. Well, get your, get your eyes back on Him and witchcraft has to go. There's no darkness with the light. All of us need that because the devil wants to make us covenant, covetous, whatever how you say it. He wants to make us lustful and he wants to feed our flesh. So if we allow him to feed our flesh and we eat with him, then our flesh is going to overrule us. And that's going to make us stop watching because we're, our cares are going to be on this life instead of on eternity. And that's for all of us. And we need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and He's coming back. But He says, Be he that knew not and did commit the things worthy of stripes. And He said, okay, He says, And beware, and I'll cut him his portion with the unbelievers. And He said to the servant, 
which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. See, it's the ones who knew the Lord's will. That has to be somebody that knows God to know his will. So that has to be a believer. So all these people that come up with all these doctrines say, why would Jesus bring parables to us that aren't really right? Why would he bring parables continuously to us if he was just trying to scare us? Or is he bringing parables because it's the gospel of truth? And nobody's, nobody has arrived yet until, until the last trumpet. And that's what he's trying to tell us. Do not think just because you met me, you know me now. Or just because you met me, is your, your, you're going to be with me. You have to continue to be with him the day that we meet him. Until the day that he comes back. The day that we meet Him in the Spirit to the day that we see Him face to face. And that is what we all are here to remind. I don't care what they're doing everywhere else. And I don't care about the doctrines of devils and all those things. They will have their portion with whatever God decides. My job is what's in front of my face. And, and that's me in the mirror and what I see right among me in this place. And wherever God assigns me. And where I am preaching at the altar that day. But if I'm not called to, I'm called to awaken and do that that day and go on, then it's up to them. But right here in this house, it's, we need to be a house of prayer. And he says, suppose that I've come, then he talks about how empowering this is going to be. And, and he says, the one that knew his Lord's will and prepared on ourselves, be beaten with many stripes. And him that knew, Lord not, is committed worthy of Commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For whosoever much is given of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. I've come not to send fire on the earth. And what will it I if it already be? I have come to send fire on the earth, I mean. And what is if, if the fire is not, if it be kindled? If it already be kindled. But I have a baptism. Everybody say, I have a baptism. To be baptized with, and now I am straightway till it be accomplished. Suppose that I have not come to give peace on the earth, and I tell you no. But he did come to give us peace. He didn't come to get peace out there. And they're trying. I mean, it's really getting close. I mean, these people are sitting down with one another that would have never sat down with one another. And everybody thinks it's a great thing. I don't understand it because it comes against the Bible. Yeah, every, because even Christians think it's a great thing. <laughs> they don't even know their Bible. When, when, when people are sitting down together at meat because they really hate each other and they're trying to say there's going to be world peace, don't you see what's going on? Most of the Christian is praying for that. They don't even know what they're praying for. Oh, we need peace on the earth. We don't want no wars. But that, uh. Father, he said, I have not come to get peace on the earth, but I tell you, rather division. From henceforth shall there be five in a household, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law 
against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And he said unto them, Also the people, when you shall see the cloud rise in the west, straightway say, There comes a shower, and so it be come to pass. You hypocrites, cannot you discern the face of the sky of the earth? But how you can discern that and not discern this time? Jesus was there and they didn't even see Him. He's going to come back and Christians aren't going to be even see Him. Know that He's be watching because they're going to, someone else is going to tell Him. He came. What is buying the oil? It's prayer. Where do you get the oil? In sacrifice and intimacy. You hypocrites. You. And why even yourselves judge, yea, not what is right? And when thou goest to thine adversary, to the magistrate, know that what to give diligence and be delivered unto the judge. And I'm going to go on and on in that and tell you that you shall not depart until you have paid the very last might. Luke 22, 39-47. So what he says, Be watchful and waiting. And it came. So now let's see what happens when Jesus was in the garden praying. Why was He praying? Because He was facing something like we're all going to be facing in the end times. He had to prepare His spirit and His flesh at the same time. And that's what we have to do. That was a model of what we were supposed to do. And He came out and He went and went out to the Mount of Olives. And I'm, I'm going to close with, with two more passages. And He says... And his disciples followed him, and he said, he was in a place, and he said unto them, I pray that you enter not into temptation. Right there is a very key. He's praying to them. He's showing a symbolic thing that he's going to be taken up, and, and, he, and he was preaching that many of you are going to be taken into custody, and you're going to be taken to, you're all, he says that you're all lambs led to the slaughter, basically. And he's saying, I'm going to show you what, what is going to happen on a global scale with me right now. But your time is not yet. But he says, do what I'm doing, because if not, you will be, what is temptation of the world? Temptation of comfort. Temptation of covetousness. Temptation of sleeping in the, spirit, the, el the things of this world. You need to be on your guard. You need to be a watchman on, uh, at the gates. You need to be a watchman on, uh, on the wall. All of us called to be priests. A watchman for this temple and interceding for those that are lost. Remember, don't forget what we're talking about, intercession and priest. But I want to say the reason, the very end, why it's so important, not just because to advance His kingdom now and get the church moving and holding up Moses' hands and all these different things. There's so many more things, but the most thing is for you to make it at the end yourself. So turn your selfishness into the eternal selfishness for real of eternity because that you don't get selfish for to pray. But that's why you need to do it. So turn that, 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 that thing then into a thing of saving your own soul. Jesus said, if you, what profit is if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? How can you lose your soul? Well, you trade it in for the, for the world. And he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into sin. So there's the key. Pray, that's in relationship. 
continue asking God, don't let me be tempted. Deliver me from temptation. Remember even the, the Lord's prayer that He said to them. He said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you got to know in your relationship to know what is the will of God here. And then He says, pray uh, that Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Deliver me not into temptation. So he's saying, pray God, do not deliver me into temptation. So if you're not in prayer, you end up getting delivered into temptation. So he says, pray that you, yea, enter not into temptation. He was withdrawn from them about the stone's case and kneeled down and prayed saying father if it thou be willing see he's saying right here my flesh doesn't want to pray my flesh doesn't want to go through for what is to come but now that I'm praying I know what is about to happen but my flesh is weak but I know what I have to do because I'm in relationship with you and I know my purpose and my my whole plan for being born on this earth was to die on the cross so many can live. So, he said, I'm going to sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. So, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Prayer gives you power to give up your will. And then he appeared an angel unto him. And also, you know, an angel came to the guy in the book of Acts because he was praying. And the angel came to him of heaven and strengthened him. Usually in prayer, when the angels come, they weren't praying for an angel, but it was the, it was the benefit of the relationship that the supernatural moves into the natural. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And sweat was as were drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, and when he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And that's what he says, when he comes back again, will he find you sleeping? That's why this message is, Are you awake? Awake, O sleeper. He said to them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest again, you, he says, you enter into temptation. And why he yet spoke that, they were delivered into temptation. At that moment, it doesn't say that, I'm saying that's what happened. Because they weren't prepared. All of them fled. The one that said he wouldn't deny him, denied him. Because they weren't prepared. Because they weren't praying. So, how many of you would going to take the mark of the beast and say, I don't know him. My life is more important. Jesus was making an example on this about prayer. And he said, Behold, a multitude was called Judas, one of the twelve, and went with him and drew near and he kissed him. As he said, why, you, why sleep you? Rise and pray lest you enter temptation. And why he spoke that the same time the multitude came and they, they denied him with their bodily form. They didn't stand with him. 
I mean, Peter fought for a minute, but when Jesus did it the way he wanted to, Peter cut the guy's ear off. You know how it goes, and all that other stuff. They didn't. Went, but they when when he was gone, they were gone too. But Jesus said that I sent my Spirit here. Let's close with this: Philippians three four, three through seven. And I entreat thee also, as true yoke fellow, help this has labored with. Prayer is a, a form of spiritual labor in the gospel. With me in the gospel and the clement and others, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always and gain your rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Lord, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Everybody say everything. everything. That's less than the first time. Everybody say everything. Everything. Still not everybody. Everybody say everything. Everything. Still missing one. That's okay. Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. Request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. There's the key. There's the key to peace. There's the key to watching. There's the key to advancing the kingdom. There's the key to being in peace with your brothers and sisters. There's the key to walking in the Spirit. And there's the key to, to hearing Him and being able to obey Him. Because I'm telling you, God will still speak to you even out of prayer. does it all the time. All the time. He'll speak to you anywhere and everywhere. And even if you don't have a lifestyle prayer. But it's harder to obey Him when you're in the flesh. And, 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 and prayer and fasting and obedience keeps you walking in the Spirit. Nothing keeps you in the Spirit but being obedient to Him. There's no formulas I'm giving you. It's called relationship to the, about what the cross and the identity. And we're all called to be... Everybody stand up. We're all called to be priests and kings. So we're all called to be intercessors. more than others to, to pray and do the things um, and pray for certain people. But if you're not in prayer, you know, prayer is not a place you go to. It's a state of mind you live in. Right. See, there's a difference. People say, i got to go to prayer. And they have this whole concept and they feel guilty because they didn't get inside of a closet or they didn't get, you know. But you can be alone with God in your car and be praying wherever you go. You can be at work pressure cleaning I mean, prayer. Actually, it's more easy to pray when you're doing something in the physical, but you don't have to be focused anywhere else on it. You can. I used to get my best prayer time painting, and I was a painter, and I would always because I'd be painting, but then I'd be meditating on God and praying. But when you have to use this for other things and not your body, so that's why physical um, working and labor is really good for praying. People want to say, because when you have to use this to do your work, it's harder to actually be part of it because your mind's going all day and, and you're micromanaging things and getting lost and, and people cannot keep it. And you got all these things. But when all you got to do is labor with your body, you know, garbage, man, whatever. You pick it up and it's like, I just pick up garbage. You finally know your, your mind's got all that. I paint, do this. It's like you don't have to. It's when you, it's the, it's the people that have more things to do in their mind that have a hard time praying because they got to 
get their mind out of all the things of this world and all the things that they're doing and to focus on Him. But man, all you that have that, that, that work with your hands and stuff, you can be praying constantly. And then when you come together corporately, God, because we don't want to say, go to Pakistan and then all of a sudden something happens to someone it's not God's but if we're all in prayer we all there's we need to be in prayer focused with God so father I thank you that the peace of God abides in it father we ask you to forgive us for not being fervent in prayer fervent look up the word fervent it says be fervent with all prayer and supplication making your request be known but see your request become his request when you're in the spirit not vain rep then because it goes with other scriptures. You got to go back to say not vain rep vain repetitious prayers. What are vain rep vain is vanity prayers. Prayers about your own desires, your own family, your own things. God's like if you, I want you in a relationship so we can advance the kingdom because once it advances around you, it advances in you, and once it advances in you, now why I say that backwards? Once it advances in you, it advances around you. And whatever's in your life will advance when the kingdom of God rules and reigns in you. So, Father, I thank you that you are the God and you own all the cattle on all the hill. You are the God that you sacrificed everything, that we will have relationship, that we're all kings and priests unto you. And that it's not a light thing that you have died on the cross, that we have full access to intercede on those that we have intercede, either intercede on the broken, the lost, on things, you know, on things people are facing, but God will plant in our heart because He's ready to move. And as we start to pray and, and advance with you, God, that we'll advance the kingdom in us and around us. Father, give us the spirit of prayer. And that, if we want to be selfish, that's the selfish thing to do. God, help me to pray. Don't let me be deceived by the devil. Don't let me be deceived by distractions. Don't let me be deceived by the cares of this life. Don't let me be deceived by, by all the abundance of things of this world. gives. Don't let me be deceived by comfort. Don't let me be deceived by those things that the devil can use. Father, I pray, give me a spirit of prayer that I will not be led to, into temptation. Temptation of desires of wants and desires of my own desires, desires of the flesh, desires of anti-sacrificial lifestyle, desire of not praying, desires all the things that would tempt me not to do what I'm called to do. I decree and declare the blood of Jesus over my life and those around me. I decree and declare the blood of Jesus that I have full access to hear God. I break every lie from the enemy that I don't hear God or that I don't not let. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. And the voice I dedicate my life to prayer. I dedicate my heart to prayer. I dedicate my, everything to every thing that you have around me, God, the, what you have assigned to me, God, everything, and I break all witchcraft, and I break all word curses, and I send back every fiery dart of the enemy come against my life to weigh us down, to make the trivial things uh, so important that we get pulled out of peace, joy, and righteousness. Father, I repent 
once again for lukewarmness. And I ask you to baptize me into you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And give me a spirit of prayer and intercession. And that I have many, many incense in your bowl, oh God. Many incense going up. Doing the, the office of the priest. Not my own house, but your house, oh God. The, a holy, set apart, living sacrifice, oh God. Making sure I'm eating and putting the bread on the altar. And the prayers of the saint will avail much. And all that I have many prayers, and it's a sweet incense to you, God. Let us burn as the living sacrifice. Let our sacrifice be the prayer that God smells and that God receives. It's an odor of stink to them that are dead, but us that lives, it is a beautiful aroma to God. Let our lives be that, Father. God, I repent, and I repent for those around me, God. And I stand as a priest to everyone in my life, God, that you've called me to be around. Father, we ask for a, for a full measure of grace upon our lives, God, and a zeal and a passion for you and your kingdom and your church. Give us a zeal for your house just like that, and then we'll be a house of prayer and not a house of merchandise, a house of flesh and lust, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and seal this word by the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. Amen.